Welcome to another episode of We're Disappointed, the show where two average folk talk about things in media, in society, in life that tend to be disappointing. So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about writing. Um, Both of us are, um, well, Che is more professional writer, but I also really like to write. um, And I feel that like our lives have been defined to a certain extent by the written word. And so we wanted to uh, chat a little bit about that today. I'll kick us off with the this first question here. Like, what was your relationship with the written word as a kid? That, who wrote that? Did I write that? Mm-hmm. Like, what was your relationship with writing in general as a kid? I mean, I loved it. Like, I would write, like, little stories and stuff like that. Um... I would like draw pictures to go along with it. I like I remember when I was because I was like homeschooled for um, a decent chunk of my K through twelve education, which probably explains why I'm so weird, <laughs> or at least one of the reasons why I'm weird. But um, like I remember one of my classes as um, I don't know what grade it was like maybe like an eighth grade or something like that was a creative writing class and it was um they they did it really just for me because they knew that I really liked writing and so it was a way to like get me credits um while just letting me write nice and so um I was like I worked on like a a book that entire semester and I mean it's terrible Like, I read it, like, even just a few years after I had finished it, and I was like, why did anyone tell me this was good? Like, (laughs) like, I don't have anyone in my life who can give me constructive criticism, clearly, because this is, like, trash. No. So bad. (laughs) 13, they're like, you know what? This has potential. No, I don't see how anyone can have it. had potential. (laughs) Oh, do I have it? I would have to look, because, I mean, it was on like an ancient hard drive back then. And I know that I've tried to like bring those files forward with each iteration, like, you know, transferring files. Mm -hmm. But I I don't know if that one still exists. Okay. I'm sure it's not as bad as you think. I know we all look back at our- It's worse. (laughs) I, I know we all look back at our old shit and cringe to death, but I'm sure it's not that bad. Well, what about you? Um, I have written for as long as I can remember. It wasn't always like coherent. It would just be like little like jotting things down. Mm-hmm. And then I got a little more structured in like fourth grade because my teacher was just really big into trying to turn out a writer. It seemed like, <laughs> mm, <laughs> like okay. I feel like throughout like that whole curriculum for the year, she kept putting writing things into it. Like we had to make several books. I remember, I uh-huh. remember two of them. I don't remember all of them. I remember one was a biography, and one was a fable. And we had to like go through the whole process. Like we had, like she would give us like these um, hardcover books that were like blank inside, mm-hmm. and like within the allotted time, you had to write what you were going to write in there. If you're going to include illustrations, you had to put them in there or pictures or what have you. Mm-hmm. It was like looking back on it is really neat, and I, <laughs> I don't have any of my stuff from back then, unfortunately. But I recall, like when I was in high school, like at, or right after high school, I found my um, what's it called, my fable, and it it, it wasn't mm-hmm. the worst. <laughs> what was what was the fable? I can't remember. I just remember it was about a fish and I had to draw okay. a fish to go with it. I remember the fish was orange and blue. That's all I can remember. <laughs> nice. I remember that and I remember reading it and not hating it. All right. That's a great accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was pretty good with that. Like it was really, really writing focused. And it's like prior to that, I had 
wanted to, I had said that I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, having teachers like that is so critically important. Like, it's obvious that she, like, really cared about that, and she wanted you guys to be excited about it, too. Mm-hmm. Good old, what was her name? Miss Scott. She was one of my favorite teachers. I feel like <laughs> this is not that related, but I feel like all my teachers were pretty much my favorite teacher up until high school. <laughs> oh, it was only in, like at high school when teachers started being turds? Yeah. Well, I had, yeah, yeah. I had a third grade teacher who was different from the other teachers I'd had. And I didn't really like her style in the beginning, but by the end of the year, like, I loved her, like, the rest of my teachers. Okay. Okay. High school, like, they all kind of suck. They're all, like, dispassionate. No, actually, no, that's a lie. My fifth grade teacher was the changing point. Yeah, I had a, was it fifth or sixth grade? It was sixth grade. That was the first time I got a turd of a teacher. My fifth grade teacher, that's the one who was upset like he was also writing focused but it was more so that he wanted to like jerk himself off because he wrote a book oh and he's like doing this to, like a bunch of like fifth graders yeah <laughs> and he's sitting there trying to Get make us yourself, listen to it dude. and just no one was interested <laughs> that must have hurt his fragile little ego it definitely did and that's when he like i think i found him online like a couple of years ago i think i showed him to you because he's still hawking that, that same familiar. book. Like, he he never wrote really? another book. <laughs> wow. And he's just still talking about that same book. What was it even about? Um, Native Americans, but I can't remember what the story was exactly. Okay. But it was just, it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should read it now and just ream him on Amazon or something. You should. If I could find it. Like, if I could do something like that to my sixth grade teacher, who was an asshole, I would totally do something like that. I'll look it up after I this. I still harbor resentment. <laughs> I'll look it up after this. I want to make sure he's still alive, though, so he can read it and be upset by it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he was a huge <laughs> asshole, and I don't know why. I remember, I think I told you, he was like, we're the cream of the crap. That's something he said to a bunch of... There's a white man to a bunch of black 10-year-olds. Why would you say that to kids, period? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I feel like he felt he could say it because we were black. Like, you know, like, talking about that, um, that asshole talking about, oh, I had low blood sugar because... Yeah, diabetes. Yeah. It's just, I mean, like, people like that, they shouldn't be teachers. Absolutely not. I agree. They shouldn't even be out in public. <laughs> <laughs> oh, seriously, if you're going to, like, treat, like, kids that way, like, fuck you. You don't need to be in public. I agree. It's like your express job is to uh, help these children. Like, I mean, it's just, like, you, you just amazingly bad at your job. Like, you should just be severely embarrassed and you should go off and kill yourself. I agree. Yeah, I'm gonna look him up and see if he still exists. Do you remember which teacher I'm talking about? Your sixth grade teacher. No, refresh my memory. His name was Mr. Beverage. Oh my god, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember hearing the name. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, like he was my English teacher, and like he just I don't like for some reason like he. Uh, just was an asshole like okay so this really sounds stupid when i say it aloud but it was like high peak drama of course you know at the time but it's like like i feel like most people like their schools like had some sort of like yo-yo craze mm -hmm. right it's like the we had like an assembly and like there was a yo-yo guy and he did yo-yo tricks, and then everyone had to have a yo-yo, right? Of course. And so, like, yo-yo fever swept the school, and, like, I, I guess, like, I was out this day, but on the day in question, 
someone was fucking around with a yo-yo in his class, and so he had to take it away. I kind of remember. And he put it on his desk. Yeah, I've told this story many times because I'm still very upset about it. (laughs) He put it on his desk, and then at some point over the course of the class period, the yo-yo ended up in the garbage can. Mm Mm-hmm. And I still don't know why this was such an offense. Like, I don't really understand. Like, I mean, it could have just been knocked over. Like, it isn't, it's not that big of a deal, right? Right. But for some reason it was. And so he demanded that, that whoever had put the yo-yo in the garbage can fess up. No one fessed up. And so he gave the entire class lunchroom detention, like lunchtime detention. Ew. And it's just like, I just don't even know. Like, it could have been an accident. Like, the person may not have even known that they had done it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's so bizarre to me. And so, like, I got back to school. I don't remember why I was out, but for some reason I was out that day. And I, like, went back to school. And then, like, I, I heard that all this had gone down while I was gone. And so I assumed... That because I had been out, there was clearly no way that I could be the culprit. And so I would not have to suffer the punishment alongside everyone else. And so I asked to make sure that that was the case. But he said, no, I had to have lunchtime detention too, because I was part of the class and everyone had to do it together. And I was like, but that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would I have to be punished? I didn't do anything wrong. And he just, like, wouldn't budge. And so, like, we had this, um, like, his class was, like, right after lunch. And so I, like, we when we got into class, like, you would write in your journal. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was probably a way to calm us down from being all hyped up after running around at lunch. Yeah. And so, like, I wrote in my journal um, just how he was absolutely wrong, because I knew he was going to read it. (laughs) Like, I wrote how he was absolutely wrong, that it was ridiculous, it was unfair, that, like, that there, it was just, like, there was no way that I could have done it, so why would I be punished? Like, it doesn't make sense to punish people who haven't done something wrong. And, like, he wrote back to me in the journal, and he said, mind your P's and Q's. Uh, I didn't know what that meant. Like, I was just like, what is that? (laughs) What? And so, but he never budged. Like, but I told my mom and my mom let me stay home that day that like, that we were having the lunchtime detention. Nice. I think that she should have like marched there and like said like, what the fuck? Like, first of all, why is this even a big deal? And like, second of all, like, why are you giving everyone lunchtime detention for something that's stupid? And third, like, why are you punishing my daughter? <laughs> like, there's a lot of questions that he answers here. Was he an older guy? I don't know. He looked like he was probably, like, in his mid to late 30s. Uh. Um, And then, like, he had it out for me, like, the rest of the year. Like, he just did not like me. And there was this one time that, like, we had to do, like, this, um, it was, like, a, a simulated radio broadcast. Like, we had to, like have like some sort of broadcast that we did and then we had to play a song and it was supposed to be like a certain number of minutes but like I like lost track of time when I was doing it and like I think I let the song play on for a little too long Mm -hmm. and so like it was like like it was set up to where like you uh, like had the broadcasted equipment it was like outside and then it was piped into the classroom so like we could hear it you know right so like i got back into the classroom and he had me come up and stand in front of the entire classroom and then just listed all the ways in which i sucked and that was like a failure jesus and it was just like what are you even getting out of this like why why are you doing this to like a tiny baby (laughs) like like what the fuck is your problem he's a very small man like he knew that he was wrong that's why he knew he was wrong he's small and he had to punish me for it for the rest of the year fucking asshole jeez Kind of related, bit of it, that the story involved writing. You wrote in a journal. I'm going to count it as yes. Related. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. 
what are the some, what are some of the books that have had the greatest influence on you, both in terms of things to aspire to and things to avoid? I know I wrote that one. Yeah, I know that you have a lot in in terms of things to avoid that you could talk Ooh, about. Definitely. I I'm trying to think of had the greatest influence because just writing was just something I always wanted to do. I don't know. I mm-hmm. can't pinpoint where it came from. It's just like the act of writing was just something that always brought me joy, pleasure, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. What actually made me decide to give it a go? It was two authors that I read. One's name was Lara Jo Rowland, and she wrote the series called, um, I can't remember the name of the series, but I'll just call it like the Sano Ichiro series where she had um it was chronicling this character named sano ichiro he lived in like feudal japan he was um of like a lower class and he like he's a detective and he ends up working his Mm -hmm. way up to being essentially like a retainer of the shogun for because of helping him out with some particular case but it's not you know all Roses because the shogun's kind of an idiot and incompetent and easily swayed by other people. And mm-hmm. he has like a, this lover who sees Sano as a threat, even though Sano has no interest in his position at all. Like, he's just like, you know what? I'm here. I'm good. I just want to keep my head down and keep this title for my kids and I'll be good to go. But this other mm-hmm. guy is just like, no, you suck. You got to get out of here. You have too much influence over the Shogun because he listens to you like a 1% of the time instead of me 99% of the hundred. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I liked it because I feel like a lot of the stuff I had writ- read up until that point was like very flowery in the prose. And mm-hmm. I, I just, that's not my style. Like, you you know, you've read enough of my stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't really like overwrought prose. Like, like, even before this, like, I had stopped, not stopped reading completely, but my, the amount that I read had gone down because, like, everything I picked up felt like it had that kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so you can actually publish a book and not use, like, 20 words to say what you could say in, like, eight Mhm. Her and also um this woman who in some circles is uh what's the word I want to say? I'll figure it out. <sighs> uh, um her name's Karen Travis. And I the first thing of hers I read was um I'm just going to call it fan fiction. It's Star Wars fan fiction. <laughs> it's 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 fan fiction okay. they paid for <laughs> for her to yeah. write. But she wrote a bunch of books about the clones in um, the Star Wars universe. And they were very interesting to me because they were essentially side characters. And she fleshed them out a bit. And she gave them this whole, like, essentially like their own culture. Mm-hmm. And she also, like, tried to knock the Jedi down a little bit. Instead of just them being like these, I feel, these polarized figures. As they're, at the time, they were typically, like, in canon like not taking it apart from anything that's on the screen they were essentially just black or white in their um Mm -hmm. motivations and their morals or what have you and she made them more interesting and again she was also someone who did not use flowery overwrought prose and obviously i don't feel like i'm on her level i could maybe come for lara joe (laughs) roland but um they were interesting. Like they they influenced me to like, you know what, maybe you could give us a shot. Maybe you can maybe someone other than you likes reading stuff that doesn't have a whole bunch of purple prose in it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's like, um that was after I had started writing fan fiction again. Mm-hmm. Because like that, like I didn't give a shit. It's just like, you know what, I wanna write this, so I'm gonna write it. And then it was like, Oh, maybe someone else will wanna read it, so I'm gonna throw it up there. And that worked out pretty well, except for people who like, like, okay, fan fiction, something you're getting for free, right? And it's totally mm-hmm. indulgent. And it's like, it's an anonymous person writing something that you may or may not like. And it's just like, in the circles I was in, like, this this should have been the fandom episode, I can't remember. I would have these people who were, I was on the forums with would always try to come at me 
for like a typo. And mm-hmm. we had no other criticisms like, oh, this is a typo. There's a typo. I was like, but did you like it or not? It's like, I'm sure that typo, like I know typos are annoying and I'm like the queen of typos. But it's like, I'm pretty sure that one typo did not affect the flow of the story that much that you couldn't say anything else. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's weird. Like, I could definitely see, like, it being, like, a part of what they had to say. Just like, oh, just heads up, like, there are these typos, so you can fix Mm -hmm. them. But it's just, like, for that to be the only thing that they say, like, that's rude. Yeah, they were fucking rude. They were fucking terrible people. And I'm kind of sorry I met a whole lot of them. (laughs) Oh, I was just so starved for fandom at the time. Like, that was the one and only time I wedded fandom and... It sucked, mm-hmm. as we talked about extensively. Well, yes, people suck. Yeah. <laughs> but um, same question to you. I mean, like I, I don't think that I can point to any one book in particular that inspired me. Um. I think I think it's like most like it's easier for you because you actually like took the plunge in terms of like um, being a writer. Mm-hmm. But I guess I could like talk about like what inspired me in terms of being an English major, which I feel is like at least adjacent to like being a writer mm-hmm. and like admiring prose. Um, and that was Paradise Lost. like I was in undergrad um still doing my general ed stuff Mm -hmm. and like I still like wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do um but I thought that I like I, I I had been leaning for a long time like more towards the sciences like but I still wasn't sure like what exactly the sciences I wanted to even do Mm -hmm. and then I took a class where we read uh Paradise Lost And it was just like my mind was blown and it was so amazing and I loved it so much. And that's when I decided to be an English major because I wanted to be able to explore more things like that. It is not simple prose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not prose at all. It's, it's, It's poetry. But like it is not simple at all. I feel that I I have way more tolerance for the spectrum of that sort of stuff. Like I I read and appreciate and enjoy things that are very ornate, very purple, very complicated. Um, mostly because like you know I read like a lot of like or at least when I was in undergrad and grad school, like a really like a lot of like old stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like from like the um, like. 17th and 18th centuries and stuff like that so it's just this completely different writing style and it requires practice to be able to like actually get through it um but then I also enjoy things that are like way more pared down too like um I I mentioned him before I know I I just don't remember what the context was but um like Hemingway I think is um like the the always the example I mean it's the example everyone holds up for like stark prose. But I mean it is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really love him. He's so good. It was the um, um the misery simulator episode. We were talking about Hemingway. Oh right. Okay, thank you. Um <clears throat> but like I mean there have been like like a s- series of works that have really made impressions on me. But I feel that it's, like, I mean, certainly, like, inspiring me in terms of writing is part of it. But it's also just, like, inspiring me in terms of, like, ideas and, like, making me love reading and stuff like that. And and I just feel that, like, reading and writing are so tied together. Like, you can't, I feel like you can't really be a good writer unless you're also a great reader. Mm -hmm. Like, because you, uh, like, have to be able to, like take in like the written word in order to be able to produce it so uh, even though like i i don't write professionally like certainly a lot of these books have really just cemented my love for literature and writing i agree with what you said about um 
needing to be a good reader because it's like you can't create like you know in a void you have to take things in mm-hmm. and break them down and study it's like it's, it's like studying all the time like it's yeah <laughs> it's very hard for me now to like read just read something and just enjoy it <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always like, oh, they could have said this more effectively, and this is a little confusing here, and blah, blah, blah. Because I do it that way, because like a lot of the time, it's like it's one word that is the difference between something that's, effect- in my opinion, effective and something that just doesn't work. And it's like, if you had taken out this word, or if you had added like two more words, this would be a lot more impactful mm-hmm. or a lot more, a lot easier to understand or what have you. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I feel like it's made me a little bit of a snob. <clears throat> well, it just means that you, like, you appreciate writing. I mean, that is, like, I I really loved that part of teaching, being able to teach writing and, like, think about the construction of argument. Like, I honestly don't understand why... Like, I just feel that everyone should love being able to construct an argument. <laughs> because it's so much fun. Like, it's just so, it's so fun and interesting to be able to think about, like, the, uh, you know, the pieces of evidence that you want to select, the, the way that you're going to analyze them, like, how the audience is going to receive them, how you're going to arrange your information in a way to make it more palatable to the audience. Like, that is, like keeping the audience in mind and and quite honestly thinking about like how best to uh, I mean this sounds bad but it's really what you're doing as a writer how best to manipulate them <laughs> like because it's like uh, an audience always like starts at like point A like whatever that point is like whether they're neutral or they're angry or they're receptive like whatever it is they start at this origin point and you want to be able to get them to a point B and so you have to think about like w- like who is my audience how can I how can I approach them in a way that would make sense to them, that would get them to change their emotional or mental state in a way that I want them to, um, but also without them knowing that I am manipulating them? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so, it's so great. And so, uh, like, that's, like, I love teaching writing because I love being able to to bring across those sorts of ideas and concepts. Um. But I know that my students never thought it as great as I did. But I also think that it's like with your your teacher, what was her name, Miss Scott? Like, it's like if you have enthusiasm as a teacher, then it like even if like your students aren't like hooray, like they're still like you know like excitement is infectious, and so it's like you can get people on board just by being really excited about what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. You're talking about prose and poetry for a little bit. And it's like, I don't know, I guess it's just my personality. I'm not super into, po- like, you know, over, like I said, like flowery prose over at prose. You know who I do like? Because it feels like a massive troll, though, like their poetry. Who? James Joyce's weird ass letters to his wife. Oh, you mean like the first yes. stuff? <laughs> <laughs> because it's so fucking weird. Yeah, that was great. He comes up with such weird ways to say the things that, like, things that probably shouldn't be said. (laughs) But the way he says them is interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's probably the only thing that Joyce has written that I like. (laughs) I don't like James Joyce. (laughs) Oh, man. She is wild. Like I was tr- like as you were talking about it, like I looked him up. I was trying to remember who it was that did these things. And I was like, there you go. Yeah, uh, he was a he was a weirdo. Yep. But I mean, he was a weirdo who was clearly in love with his wife. Very. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he and his wife they they you know they fit together very well. Because I just can't imagine many women getting a letter like that and being like, yeah, honey. Yeah, really. I'm going to stay with this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was clearly into it, too. So they were a perfect match. Good for them. So fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I don't know like, why you don't like poetry, though. Poetry's so good. I don't know. I, maybe I haven't seen enough of it, but it's just every every thing I read, like like I hate modern poetry. I'll put it that way. And I hate like yeah, I don't like really like modern poetry. And there either. are people, but I don't like, know why. If you don't like modern poetry, you wouldn't like you like. I mean, that's simpler stuff. Like you go further back, it's getting more and more complicated. And it's like I don't like, I don't like that because it all feels like this. This is going to sound like like as I'm thinking about it, it sounds like the misery simulator. It feels like cheap hits. Cheap emotional hits well, yeah, a lot of the time. Because that's modern and postmodernist poetry. As modern and postmodernist prose. It's just it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's boring, it's cheap, it's cliche for the most part. Obviously not all of it, just the ones that I've seen. And then like like obviously there's nothing wrong with amateurs. Like if you like this thing, fully throw yourself into this thing. But I just hate how like the more most amateurs to poetry they feel like everything has to rhyme yeah and it's just like no don't it doesn't have to rhyme like i'm like unless you're trying to sing it or rap it which a lot of people are yes like spoken word sort of stuff it's like it doesn't have to rhyme like even spoken word doesn't have to rhyme either like i've heard it just has to have that like rhythm like i've heard really good spoken word but it's like one in like a thousand entries that i'm hearing yeah, well, I mean, it's like that's you know they're they're amateurs, so it's just like it's not going to be that great. But you have to admire them for at least trying. Yeah, like I, that's something I like about reading in general. Like I don't read a lot of nonfiction, but I I read like people's like articles and blogs and stuff like that. I like hearing about other people's experiences, and of course, this is like another way of ex- of getting that. But then sometimes it's like honey no why did you do this (laughs) why did you do this this way but i feel like that's me in any media i consume why did you do this why did you choose Mm -hmm. to do this this way that sucks like for me like the um i don't know like the uh, because i took like a modern poetry class when i was in undergrad too and like just so much of it and, and then when I, like, you know, because we went to that, like, um, that, like, Zoom open mic sort of thing. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Like, and all of, like, those amateurs. Like, I feel it's like they're all cut from the same cloth and that they just really get high on their own fits. Yes. <laughs> and it's just, like, that is, like, a huge turnoff to me. It's, like, I mean, like, on the one hand, I guess it's, like, it's great that you're hella confident but on the other hand, it's just like I don't want to see you jerking yourself off. Yep. Like do that in private. <laughs> I hundred percent agree. Well, like the the poet that I loved the most from my modern poetry class was T. S. Eliot, and it's not like he's any less pretentious, but it was like a pretension that I was okay with like i i mean his poem the wasteland is still one of my favorites it's so good and it's like i and i think that like i think that like the reason why i like it so much is because it's so rich in terms of allusions to other things and so it's just like like when you like you see the poem there's always like 500 billion footnotes and it's like telling you like what these things are referencing and it's so much fun because then it's like you can like look that shit up and you like you can learn even more about it. And it's like if you understand like his allusions to like for like the wasteland, it's like to like the Grail mythos. Mm. Like if you understand kind of like the background of what he's referencing, then the big poem becomes even richer. And there's just like all of like these layers to it. And so it's just something that you can like think about and learn about for a really long time. And on the other hand, you have that guy, God, what the fuck is his name? I don't remember his name, but his, like, red wheelbarrow one, William Carlos Williams. He's a fucking dick. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up the red wheelbarrow. Oh, God. Did you just bring it up? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what the hell? Okay, so this is the poem, right? Red Wheelbarrow by William Carlos Williams. 
So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater besides the white beside the white chickens. Like what the All fuck? Right. It's like a statement. The fuck, William just... Carlos Williams? Yeah, you can't just like put in paragraph breaks there and call it a poem. Fuck you. How dare you? Apparently, apparently you can. Yeah, well, you know what? He can suck it. But yeah, I don't like that either. Like, the, Yeah, no, it's just like, what is even this? Like, it's just a waste of my time. What is even this? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, when I think of poetry, like, this kind of shit, like, comes to mind. And it's just like, hmm. Because that's, like, where I started. So that's, like, what, that's mm-hmm. what I think of. For better or for worse. Mostly for worse. I I really love The Wasteland. That's one of my favorites. And then I also really love... Like, I really love the romantics. They're really... I, I mean, I don't know how well you would like them. Because they're, like, you know, a bit more frou-frou, I guess. Mm-hmm. But... um. Like, Wordsworth is one of my favorites, and Keats. And then I have a William Blake tattoo on my arm, so clearly I like him, too. Okay, so next section. Describe your writing process. Um, I'm an outliner. I... I map everything out. I'm in between. I'm in between a planner and a pantser, which is what cringy writing Twitter calls it. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I line everything out, I get bored. And then I won't write the thing. I feel like, for me personally, it's enough for me to, like, maybe write down some key points and keep those in mind as I just do whatever the fuck I want with the rest of it. But it's mm-hmm. like, I do need to, like, um, like I've never just written something and so it's like, here you go. Like, I always, like, go over it and try to make sure these things make sense and this, like, there's flow or there's, like, this is mentioned here, so it's okay to mention it again here or what have you. I mm-hmm. want, I keep thinking I want to get, like, a bunch of post-its and, like, stick those to, like, keep my plot points straight. Like, like it's not a major problem for me, but I feel like it could be useful. Mm-hmm. Now, having that visual can be really helpful. But just... Yeah, I don't know. I I guess what I like about writing also is the discovery for myself as I'm writing it. And it's mm-hmm. just if I just do it with if I outline everything, then that's gone. And it's it's a little stagnant. Well, I mean, like I outline everything, like whether it's whether I'm writing like a like, you know, I was in school or whatever, like writing like a paper I would outline everything or like writing like a piece of fiction. I would do it by like chapter and like have all like the major things that I want to get accomplished in each chapter. But like, I still like, you know, if, if something came up as over the course of like, as I'm writing this thing and I'm like, Oh wait, then, you know, I would revise the outline and I would add it in or like alter the outline in order to accommodate it. Like, I'm not just going to, like, abandon it because it's not in my original plan. Yeah, I mean, it just it just stifles whatever is letting me write to begin with, like, personally. Like, mm-hmm. I, I obviously, like, for academic things, I would outline things. I stick to those, like, very strictly because, as you said, like, uh, constructing an argument. Like, that's what mm-hmm. that outline is very good for, for me. But I feel, I don't know, maybe I'm taking more of a, a quote-unquote creative stance with it. I don't know. But it's just to do that, it just I, bothers the fuck out of me. I like feel that, like, I mean, like, I, I guess that I approach just about every piece of writing as like kind of constructing an argument because I'm always thinking about like, well, what is it that I really want to say? Like, what what message do I want to impart or what feeling do I want my audience to have or something? And so it's like if I know like kind of like what that end goal is in minds then I want to think about the construction of the piece, which requires in my head an outline to make sure that I'm building up to that. And so like when the audience is finished, they will, you know, have gotten the impression that I want them to get. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I guess just different, uh, what's the word, methods. 
Well, yeah. I mean, everyone has a different method. Well, yeah. But I mean, like, um, I just, I have trouble, like, understanding that. Like, I can't see myself trying to, like, being effective in, like, just for me personally, if I tried mm-hmm. to operate that way. That's just, that's how my mind works in a lot of different situations, though. Mm. I'm very much, like, I gotta break it down to its parts and, like, see how it all fits together and, like, build off of it. I'm more, I'm more, I gotta get this down, and then in editing, I will go back and do some of that, like, well, what am I trying to say here? Could I say this better this way? Does this, because, like, mm-hmm. whenever I start something, I know pretty much where I want it to end. And then mm-hmm. it's just, like, like, I I usually know that before I finish, before I even start writing, but um, everything in between there is just it's a, as much a journey for me as it is for the person who's going to potentially read it i've always been envious of people who can like get things down that easily honestly like because like i just i require so much like kind of pre-work i, I wish I, that I didn't i'm jealous of people who can plot out things <laughs> plot out things to that degree and just not get bored like it's i wish i didn't like um my second book for the um the vampire series like i ended up writing that like at least twice i know the first book i rewrote like three or four times because Mm -hmm. i was writing it and then i was like okay because i was like i was working on fan fiction at the same time i think and i would get like distracted it's like okay i gotta come back to it and then I tried for the second book, I tried writing an outline and I got bored. And then I ended up like when I wrote Mm. it again, like I kept some elements from the outline, but most of it I just had to throw away. Because I don't know, I feel like if I'm looking at the outline, I'm questioning what I'm doing more. And it's like if I'm questioning myself too much, I'm just not going to be able to do it. Mm. Yeah, so it's like you like you can't let yourself like um like give yourself a, an opportunity to like mentally sabotage yeah. yourself it's like it's a whole bunch of like doubt. you just gotta like jump in yeah. <laughs> it's like just do it and enjoy it while you're doing it and if there's a problem with it we'll fix it later because like it's like it's not like i'm working on a timeline it's not like i have to mm-hmm. have this in and hand this in as is it's like i have time to go back and fix mm-hmm. what i want to fix <clears throat> I see, like, when I just try to, like, jump into it, like, I, I, like, I can't, like, I'm too in my own head. Like, I, uh, I'm always, like, like, I have trouble moving forward because I'm stuck on, like, you know, the thing that I'm writing and I'm, like, you know, trying to see if it's, like, good enough and, like, what, you know, how it's going to relate to something else and blah, blah, blah. And so it's, like, it takes too long and I get discouraged. And so that's just, like, the outline allows me to, like, to not like actually write the thing. So I don't have to worry about word choice. I don't have to worry about like the imagery or anything like that, that I want to use. I don't have to worry about dialogue. I'm just like writing out like the, the pieces of the puzzle that I want to all fit together. And so there's no pressure. And so I can like arrange things how I want. I can move things around how I want. And I don't have to like worry about the details. Oh, like I said, that's like what I do with editing, (laughs) like moving stuff around and all that. But Mm -hmm. just, like, your description of how you feel trying to jump in, that's how I feel trying to plot, like, trying to outline. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're just neurotic in our own ways. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. I'm going to jump ahead a couple of questions. Okay. Do you try to have any sort of messaging messaging in your books? If so, what is it? If not, why? Again, like, I, I don't usually, when I start writing approach it that way like sometimes stuff just comes out Mm -hmm. like um for the vampire books that i write and i'll mention these later i didn't mention them earlier i'll i'll throw them at the end of the episode so you gotta listen to the end if you care um i started writing the vampire books and it's uh the afro-latino human guy and japanese vampire and i started that because of a conversation i had with someone from those forums years ago he was saying how like he's a gay guy and he was saying how black guys and asian guys are usually left at the table like no one wants them for the most part 
like in mm-hmm. the community, like where he was living at. And I was like, that's really shitty. I'm like, why? Like, you know, like every, like people are attractive regardless of race. Like race should not be an indicator on whether or not you find someone mm-hmm. attractive unless you have like, you know, hangups about, you know, the social aspect of it. But like, it just seemed really odd to me. So like, I was like years before I even started writing this story. And then um, as I went on with the story, like more and more stuff started like coming out that made it seem like it was about race to like certain extent Mm -hmm. extent. like in the first book I had um Phil that's the protagonist be harassed by a cop and I'm like that's like my experience that's a lived-in experience and then just like more and more stuff like that came up and I remember when I was getting reviews from little jealous bitches on Goodreads like, people were bringing that up. Well, why is it about, right? Why do you have to say this about this character? And why does this matter? And it's like, why not? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, um, and, like, later, like, as I'm looking back at it, it felt like the whole series and, like, my whole catalog and probably everything I will write is going to be, like, a pushback to the stark whiteness of the genre in general because mm-hmm. all the characters mm-hmm. that I've all the books I've picked up because like I try to pick up like what's popular every once in a while or things I see people talking about and they're all white all the time all white all the time mm-hmm. and it's just like nuts <laughs> but like that wasn't my intention yeah. like when I started writing and then um what else? I was gonna bring up something else I lost it goldfish brain <laughs> if I remember it I'll bring it up okay but yeah so the the answer to that is Kind of, but not intentionally, but I'm happy with Mm -hmm. where it is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that it just kind of fits in with um, what you were talking about in terms of how you plot things out. It's like, it's like a writing as a sort of self-discovery for you. Yeah. But how you were saying, like, what am I trying to, like, for your writing, you were mentioning what you were trying to say with your stories that you write. So would you agree mm-hmm. that you you try to include messaging? Yeah. In well, I don't know if it would be so much messaging as like I'm trying to figure out how to put it. It it's like I I will usually have like the kind of like the examples that I'm thinking of, I'll like have the characters go through like these um ethical or, or moral dilemmas and like the uh, the arguments that are made there and the conclusions that are reached are like the ones that I also want my audience to reach like I want them to be able to like work through that kind of mental and character development themselves and be able to also like come to that conclusion if that makes sense that makes sense. But I was, um, I remember I was going to say, I was going to mention how, like, in the genre that the vampire books are in, you have to, like, you know, really push hard to get reviews, to get people to see your stuff. And so I did, like, a review tour, and some of the people who were hosting the tour, meaning they got the book, read it, and posted reviews, were not in the U.S. And one person reached out to me and was like, saying how they liked the book a lot and it made them think. And this is like 2018, I put this out, I think, or 17. Mm -hmm. So this is like before the current upsurge in Black Lives Matter movement. And the person was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I got to the part where Phil got harassed by the cops and I got my initial reaction was to get mad because like my father is a cop or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. The person was like, well, I had to think about it for a second. And it was like their experience with cops is not my experience with cops and like this is a Mm -hmm. thing that happens to people and they felt like it really made them stop and think about you know something outside of themselves and it's like that that's Mm -hmm. my proudest moment (laughs) yeah no that's awesome and like i said like i did not go into it seeking to do that but that that happened Mm -hmm. was it was amazing to me (laughs) well that that's why literature is so critical 
Like, because it gives us that ability to experience perspectives outside of our own. It gives us the ability to, like, empathize with others. Like, just the the taking in of stories is so fundamental to our development as human beings. I, I just, like, I can't stress it enough. And so that's why it's, like, you know, when you talk about, like, how, like, homogenous the... Uh, the kind of like landscape is it's like that's a, a huge disservice and it's like i don't know i feel like i'm in like a weird place genre wise because it's like okay i predominantly right now because like i have a couple of pen names across a couple of spectrums but the one i'm messing with right now is men loving men mm you know gay writing or, or i'll just say men loving men because my characters aren't technically they're not gay they're bisexual for the most part and it's like it's hard to tell what kind of book is expected in this genre because most of them seem like they're just romances which is fine but like that's it it's like in the sense Mm -hmm. like what what book is it like twilight like i told you i got like halfway through twilight i was like oh this is just about them coming together and like there's not a whole lot of other plot so i stopped reading Mm -hmm. but like that's essentially how these kinds of this genre works and like um, there's nothing wrong with those kinds of stories if that's what you're into like they can be valid and you know but that's not what I like to write and that's not what I like to read myself so whenever I write something I try to like that's that may be the main story but I like putting a lot of things in the way of that like in the way of happily ever after in a form of like other plot elements like oh this is going on mm-hmm. and that's going on and this person over there might be trying to kill you because of this other thing and it's just like like I couldn't tell you if the what I've written has been well received or not because it's like some people like it because it's different some people don't like it because it's not this is just not just a love story and then some people don't mm-hmm. like it because they don't like me for whatever reason. Don't even know me. Don't like me. So it's like, um, I lost my point. <laughs> 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 like, where did we start? Uh, well, I like had mentions like the homogenous okay. landscape and the, the how critical stories okay, are. There you go. So, yeah. So it's like, I can't tell if I should try to force these people outside of their comfort zone and keep doing what I'm doing or should I try to for lack of a better like I hate this word like elevate what I'm doing and try to make it more literary or something instead of genre so that it'll have more impact because it's like it's different kind like I like there's no monopoly on readers as far as genre as far as authors like people who read tend to read a lot of different things for the most part and Mm -hmm. it's just like do I want to stay here and hope I can change some minds in this one part of you know the mm genre or should I like I said or should I try to do something else where I may be more successful like I don't know why not both how how both well you have multiple pen names so you do yeah but I'm slow when I write (laughs) But you could still do it. It would just take a while. I guess. I guess I could try. We'll see. I saw that. Let's see. I don't know if we're going to get all... Like, we're approaching an hour. I know this could be as long as we want, but... Mm-hmm. Let's see. What are some of my favorite themes and why? I don't know how to answer that one. You you attempted... I... I really like um, the themes that I tend to enjoy are like a kind of like a a study of like identity, Mm -hmm. like characters, like figuring themselves out or figuring out other people. And I like um, things that like kind of study and break down like various kind of like ethical perspectives mm-hmm. i like that too so like a lot of a lot of stuff i tend to like is like a, a little bit more 
introspective, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like I like I like a lot of different things. I was gonna say, is this question more posed at reading or writing? Both. I like I that question is hitting me like the same in the same areas like someone asking me about tropes or it's like I read things but I don't or write things but I don't initially attach that particular theme header or trope name to the thing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I don't know like my brain just rejects that idea just like um Mm -hmm. when that fan fiction I wrote got on tv tropes I was like for what like I what did I do that (laughs) that fits in the tropes that you want to put it on here Mm-hmm. But I guess something I like, it's I like what you said about the identity, and I tend to write, I guess I, I enjoy it, like things that are really like, like characters going deep into their own mind, like being yeah. introspective. I also like, this is the trope name, I think, found family. Mm-hmm. Where That's always yeah, nice. Like where a character, you know, makes a space for themselves with other people. I also just really like happy endings. Like, I didn't always used to be like that. You know, talking, like, call back to the Misery Simulator episode. Like, but it's like, now it's like, if I'm really going to engage with this story, like, I gotta know that it's gonna end, like, in a decent way. Like, I don't want to be devastated at Mm. the end. I don't mind. I'm more forgiving in this in books, apparently, than other media. But... Like, I don't mind an ending that's not happy. It just has to be satisfying for me. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't want an unsatisfying, open-ended, well, we didn't know what the fuck to do, so ending. Like, yeah. like 99% of anime gives you. You really gotta read Hemingway. I want you to read it. Well, which Hemingway? I've read some Hemingway. I've read one with you, I think. Did you? The one that was, like, unfinished. Like, his last one we read together. I don't remember that. Um, I think that you should read... I think it was The Garden of Eden. Okay. And that one, like, it's an ending. Like, it's not a satisfying ending. It's not conclusive, but I feel like where it stops is okay. Mm-hmm. You should read A Farewell to Arms. That's my favorite of his. Okay. Oh, I have written directions in this book. Where was I going? <laughs> <laughs> It was somewhere in the Bay Area. I have no idea what I was doing. I was going somewhere. I was doing something. I wrote directions in a farewell to arms. And I remember that same teacher made us read The Old Man in the Sea. That fifth grade teacher. Yeah, I didn't like that one. He wanted us to read that and uh, The Fountainhead before we got to class. Like That was my summer reading. And... Mm. I didn't finish the fountain. It was such a headache. It's like, fuck this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really hated it. But um, I did like The Old Man to See. I don't re- recall it well now. I've been meaning to, like, it's on my list to, like, reread it. But I did enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I read it in grade school, too. I didn't like it then. Maybe I should reread it now. Maybe I would like it. Like that. Like, that was, like, not a happy. I mean, I guess, was it? I can't remember if the fish was alive at the end. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. It got, like, eaten up because it was hanging over the side of the boat. So that that wasn't a happy ending for this man who sat there and fought with this fish. But I feel like it was satisfying Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Well, Farewell to Arms does not have a happy ending. Mm. I would say... It makes sense. So I don't know if that will be satisfying enough for you. We'll see. We should read it together. I wouldn't mind reading it again. Let's see. I could find a copy on Amazon. It's not fucking thirteen dollars. Well, is it is it outside of the um, what you call it? What copyright? Like, could you find it on Gutenberg? Oh, let's see. I'm gonna look. Looks like there's only two Hemingways on Gutenberg. And none of them are farewell to arms. Unfortunate. In the interest of time, I'm going to cut out the passage one. Because honestly, like I haven't written a passage I feel yeah, like I wouldn't know what right to now. share. Yeah. I have nothing to share. Uh, what's something you really want to write but haven't yet? I don't want to say. I'll just leave it. I'll just say when I've done it. 
Okay. I have like a, a list. I have an ever-growing list of things that I want to write. And I get to them when I can get to them. It's like there are things I want to write. And then there are things that I feel guilty about wanting to write. Because it's like I have stuff that I feel I should get out first. Like the third mm-hmm. book in the um, the Nasu series. The vampire series. is like I, I want to say at least a year overdue. Because the first two came out like one year between each other and like mm-hmm. it drives me crazy like going back to talking about the genre again to see these people who put out like like 10 books a year i'm like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like how are you doing that they're just pooping it out well, i guess um like obviously like they're doing a different thing from what i'm doing so i'm trying mm-hmm. not to let it drive me crazy but it drives me crazy <laughs> Uh, okay, so this last, let's just tackle the last one, which is, if someone ever approached you to make some sort of media from your books, video game, movies, comic, etc., what would you want it to be and why? I mean, I would 100% be down with that, and I just feel like Mm -hmm. it depends on which one they want to do. Like, I don't think anything I've written so far would work well as a game. But I would be okay with a movie or a comic or, like, a TV show because I feel those are, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think my Nasu... You don't think your Noxus one would be good as a game? I think it would be good I as a game. I don't even know. I have to, like, reacquaint myself with that. It's been so long since I've dealt with that universe at all. But it might. Well, I think it would be good <laughs> as a game. I well, think you heard fun. it here first. That, that, that's, that's part of the answer there. <laughs> I feel, um... The Nasu books might work better as movies or comics. Now, those would be good movies. And then the other stuff I'm working on currently, I think would be better as comics. Like really long form, drawn out, like web comic type comics that go on forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I said I would talk about, you know, I'm going to out myself with my my writing stuff. So I have my two main pen names. One is... S.A. McNeil, M-E-N-E-I-L-L, I believe. And I have one book written under there. I have more in my head, but I only did one before I switched genres. And I'm going to come back to that universe at some point. It's called Rendezvous on Noxus. You can go pick it up on Amazon. I think it's fairly cheap. And then I have three other books on another pen name called Jet Lupin. And those are mostly my MM genre, genre breaking books or what have you. Mm -hmm. So if you're into that, go check them out. Those are on Amazon and everywhere. I made those wide. I'm going to do that too with the the Noxus books, but eventually, like maybe when I'm more focused on getting those together, like making more content for that, Mm -hmm. I'll put those out. And yeah. Is there anything you want to share? You want to share your uh, your fan fiction? I'll share mine too. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. So we're not doing that. That's <laughs> <laughs> a no for me. You can share yours. Nope. Nope. I just ain't sharing nope, mine. I share mine only if you share yours. If you're not sharing yours, well yeah, then I guess that's not fine. being shared. That's fine. Yep. I already that's I already okay. exposed myself too much. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, S.A. McNeil. I think there's underscores in there. That act, that account's pretty inactive. But again, when I start doing more content, it'll be more active. And then my other account is J-J-A-Y Lupin. Because Jet Lupin is taken by some Filipino boy. And I keep getting messages for him on Facebook. Yeah. Really? <laughs> it's like I had to go into Google Translate to be like, I'm sorry, you have the wrong person to, like, tell these people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I also have the same name, but I'm not who you're looking for. But yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Oh, you got something? Okay. Nope. That's it for this week. We will catch you next week where we will enthrall you with our... Well, you know what? We actually didn't talk about what sucks too much with this one. No, no. Good for us. <laughs> like there was, We're there healing. was some. 
aspects, but I feel it was largely on the positive yeah. and neutral. Oh, because we like writing. Yeah, there you go. I mean, we like most of the things we talk about, except for the body one. But it's like we could find the fault in it. I guess writing is just writing's too pure. Writing itself is just a medium. Well, writing, yeah, it's like it's just like it's it's a thing that you're doing. So writing itself is neutral. It's what you do with it that makes it bad or not. And we both had, oh, excuse me. And we both had pretty positive experiences with it. So I guess there's that. Mhm. All right. So, goodbye. We'll see you next week. You've just listened to We Are Disappointed. Intro music is Feels Bad by Strongsuit. Outro music is Decisions by Dream Heaven. You can find them on the Free Music Archive in Pixabay. If you have something that disappoints you, you can send us a line at We Are Disappointed on Twitter and Instagram, or our website at wearedisappointed.com, and we can be disappointed together in future shows. Thanks for listening.